Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Ah, bonjour. (laughs) So glad to be with you today. What a blessing that we get to join together. Thanks for taking the time. (laughs) So, let's begin with a blessing, like we always do. I place my hand on my heart and I am grateful. Grateful to be wholehearted this day and every day. So grateful and thankful for my willingness my willingness to listen, to heed, to be grateful, to love, to have self-compassion and kindness. So grateful and thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self, the mighty I Am Presence, that infinite intelligence that we're all part of, So grateful to choose to be in the flow of love and insight, wisdom and clarity. So grateful to claim the freedom and the peace. So grateful and thankful to consciously attune to the infinite intelligence that is our very nature. So grateful to say yes to the love flowing in our hearts and in our minds. We come together for this purpose to relinquish that which does not serve, to relinquish all attachments to that which is false, and particularly giving up all the causes of guilt, known and unknown, felt and not felt. We're giving up the attraction to guilt, and we are truly sharing the benefits with all. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes, indeed. (laughs) The attraction of guilt. It's uh, powerful, obviously. Every single one of us experiences it, although many times we're not consciously aware of it. I think this is such a life-changing topic. I'm so glad to be sharing about it. I know we'll be sharing about it on the retreat with Lisa Natoli and Karin Zupko and John Mundy and myself that starts on March 20th. It's our spring clearing retreat. It's a healing retreat, healing through forgiveness, miracles, and some kundalini yoga. Uh, I noticed that a lot of the folks who are in my master, well, a number of folks who are in my masterful living course, like me, uh, have been going through Kundalini teacher training. We're just feeling called to it spontaneously, and it's not like there was any plan around it. It's quite interesting how more of us are are really practicing this particular type of yoga. Uh, which is all about aligning with the divine and recognizing that our true identity is perfect love. It always has been and it always will be. It's, It's lovely to find a physical practice that is a spiritual practice that is, um, in alignment with the course in so many ways. Anyway, so, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about the attraction of guilt on the retreat and, oh, you know, uh, yesterday, uh, last week in this radio broadcast, Lisa Natoli was my guest. And um, right after the broadcast ended, we said, 
let's let's talk next week. And we decided to um, talk yesterday, and we did a Facebook Live, and we ended up going for probably 45 minutes just talking about healing and things like that. It's one of our favorite topics. We, we literally do make we say, oh, can I? Can we talk about healing this week? Let's let's um, make a plan to get together. We get together on Zoom, sometimes on the phone, depends on where we are and what's going on. But we like to sit and talk with each other on Zoom and talk about healing. We're just uh, healing nerds, God geeks, and uh, I've been saying for a long time, I work for God Incorporated. So we're just talking business. <laughs> Um, so let's get into the attraction of guilt here, this section. So it's section four in chapter 19. And, uh, what led me to this was I was literally thinking about how people are attracted to the habits and beliefs and patterns around guilt. And of course, miracles makes it pretty clear that this is the big problem that we have, okay? So, yes, the, the, the only problem that we have is separation. And because of how we hold separation thinking in our mind, we have this pervasive guilt that shows up all over the place. So all lack and limitation is an expression of separation, Separation is not real, therefore a lack and limitation is not a real thing. But if we focus on it, we are going to experience it. And it's very tricky sometimes for people to stop focusing on lack and limitation. It is such a habit for many people. Partly because they were raised by people who were focused on lack and limitation. So... At the time of this broadcast, I'm 59 years old. Uh, my grandparents, uh, let's see. Oh, gosh. What? Yeah. So uh, my grandparents, if they were alive, they would be 112, 114 years old. Um, and so... Um, they were young folks during the Depression, and uh, it really impacted them, as you might imagine. And then they went through World War II, which really impacted them, rationing and all of that. So they had a lot of their early life, uh, and, and my, my uh, grandparents all experienced uh, poverty, and their ancestors experienced poverty. Um, so this was part of the mindset that I was handed. My parents were teachers, uh, and uh, they did some other things too, but they were teachers, like I'm a teacher, and as teachers they didn't earn a lot of money. And so there's just this consciousness of... Um, there's a limited flow and scarcity. At the same time, my grandparents, my father's parents, actually through the success of their family business, which they built, they became uh, wealthy at the end of their lives. And they did have a very strong consciousness of work hard and be a very supportive member of your community. I've talked about this in the radio broadcast before about how my grandparents would donate so much to charity, Boy Scouts, Red Cross, their church, um, Boys and Girls Clubs of America, these kinds of things, uh, lots of Girl Scouts, lots of things to support youth and community. That And they did... They had, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, they, they were in the snack business in Bowling Green, Ohio, the Cane's Potato Chip Company, which was sold uh, when I was in my 20s. 
um, to a bigger snack firm, <laughs> snack company. Anyway, um, I would visit the company. Uh, my grandfather would take me there when I was a little girl. It's like, seriously, one of the greatest things in the whole world was to eat those potato chips hot out of the cooker. And that was such a treat for me. I loved to go to the potato chip factory. And um, the it was like a family there. My grandparents, uh, they... They gave so many benefits to the workers. They gave more than the union asked for. So they were never unionized. Now, I'm pro-union, but uh, they didn't unionize the factory workers because they gave them more than the unions asked for. And um, they had lunch, had a cafeteria, uh, like a home-cooked meal. It was It was a great place for me as a kid to go and visit with my grandpa and... He could let me walk around and people would recognize me because they knew my father because they knew my father when he was growing up. <laughs> and so it was fun. It was really fun. Anyway, what does this have to do with the attraction of guilt? It has to do with lack and limitation. So my grandparents, they started in this intense lack and limitation. My my grandfather had no shoes when he was growing up. He used to yell at us to put our shoes on because, just because we had shoes, which didn't make sense to me when I was a kid. I had to grow up before I could understand why shoes were so important to him. But he, he didn't have shoes when he was a kid, literally, and he would, you know, go to school and things like that without shoes on. And um, he had to quit school when he was in sixth grade to help support his family because his father left. So he, he really understood. He was on his own uh, at 12 years old. Yep. So he, he really was a scrapper in a lot of ways, and he was extremely grateful for the love of my grandmother, and they really, really loved each other. And so it was a great example for me of overcoming lack and limitation thinking and experience, and they they really did that. And one of the key avenues to their success was their uh, devotion to the teachings of Jesus and to um, their spirit, their church community uh, in a very non-dogmatic way. I, I don't ever remember my grandparents um, being dogmatic at all. They just demonstrated it. They really did what Jesus uh, invites us to do and teaches us to do, which is we don't have to proselytize, just demonstrate it. Um, There was never a time I would visit my grandparents, and I visited them a lot. I loved to go and visit them for weekends or a week at a time, school vacations and things like that. And now that I think about it, I'm sure my parents were really glad to get a break from me. But um, they were always like uh, my grandfather they'd be having conversations around the breakfast table. They read the Bible every morning. They didn't make a fanfare of it. They just read a section of the Bible every day of their married lives. And um, no matter where they were, they were traveling in Africa, whatever they were doing, they went through the Bible a number of times throughout their uh, more than 50 years of marriage. And um, They uh, they would have these conversations. My grandfather would say, okay, today I'm going to go by the nursery and pick up some whatever to deliver to Mrs. This One and That One and this one who's in the hospital and this one who is home convalescing. I mean, they, were, they would drop off food. They would drop off flowers. They would really do things for people in their community. And uh, they went out of their way. That was how they lived. And they enjoyed it. Great. They they didn't say, oh, this is what you need to do. I never heard a conversation from them about any of it. The only thing I remember is my grandmother saying, oh, we're being audited again. We have to take all our checks in because the IRS doesn't believe that we would give this much of our income away. I heard her say that once. Oh, my gosh, we were audited so many times. And um, 
And the other thing I heard my grandfather say a couple of times, the money you give the church costs you nothing. That was his teaching on dieting. And I don't remember... I'm going to start again, actually. So the attraction of guilt, uh, section 4, chapter 19, it begins this way. It um, begins with um, the attraction of guilt produces fear of love. For love would never look on guilt at all. It is the nature of love to look only to look upon only the truth, for there it sees itself, with which it would unite in holy union and completion. All right, so that that may be difficult to understand, but this first sentence says so much to us. Just like my grandparents demonstrating, just doing what they were doing, not discussing it, not needing to give me a teaching about it, just doing it taught me so much. So, the attraction of guilt produces fear of love, for love would never look on guilt at all. Let us break this monkey down here. So, very often in our relationships, particularly our most close relationships, there is a habit of laying guilt on other people. And I've talked about this before in the in the, the radio shows, but hey, we're over 380 episodes. There's going to be a lot of repetition because um, it's the fundamentals. It's the fundamentals. But the thing is, is many people, myself included, don't even realize what we're doing that is designed to make people feel bad and guilty. And people want it. They want to feel bad and guilty. Yes, it's true. So they will actually provoke the reaction that is designed to produce guilt. And then you know what? Everybody feels guilty. The one who reacts and the one who provoked the reaction. Boom. Everybody's guilty. Nicely done. (laughs) So let's just pick a simple, innocuous example, okay? You, uh, your loved one says, I'm making dinner for six o'clock and I'm going to make your favorite dinner. Uh, whatever that might be, let's just say salmon with mango salsa on it. I don't know. That wouldn't be my favorite, but whatever. (laughs) That's just what what I got. Um, And garlic mashed potatoes. No, it's not a combo that sounds good to me. But anyway, Um, and so your loved one prepares that, and you sit down to eat, and you re- you realize, oh wait a minute, there's no um, there's no dessert, there's no bread with this, there's no something, something is missing. What? There's no whatever. Oh no, I I didn't. Ah, oh, I forgot that. Why bring it up? Why bring it up? You know there's no bread, no dessert, whatever. You know it. Why are you bringing it up? It's just a little bit of guilt. Just a little bit. Like, this is great, but it's not perfect. It's these little ways that we insist that life is not perfect. It's not good enough no matter how hard people try. Boy, this thread of thinking was so strong in my mind. And it still is. I'm still unhooking it. 
but and that's why it's so so great to be aware of it now love would not say that and this is the thing that i notice about myself now is that i can notice okay yeah there's no bread there's no rolls there's oh wouldn't it be nice to have some really delicious french bread with this but there is none if I were making it, I would serve it that way. Not that I would, I, I probably wouldn't, but it doesn't matter. You know, just, we look for what's not working. And even if we say it in a nice way, like, um, oh, did you get any bread to go with this? Oh, that's okay. No, 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 it's not necessary. I was just asking. Why are you asking? If the person who made the dinner doesn't provide it there is none even if they forgot it in the kitchen if you think maybe they forgot it in the kitchen because you saw it on the counter earlier then that's a different conversation right then it's like hey did you also prepare that french bread for this oh yes i did i'm gonna go get it something like that but it's the, the constant, everything is not quite good enough, quite, not quite perfect. You didn't do it that well. We need to make adjustments. Now, is there, there, and here's how you can do certain things with guilt or without guilt. Oh, this is delicious. I love it. The only thing is, I like a little more salt than you do, so is there any salt? Or, oh, there's not enough salt in this. There's not enough salt in it for you, but there's plenty of salt in it for other people, right? Sometimes I feel like putting salt on my food, sometimes I don't. It's not all the time. So, it's how we approach it. How we, what, what is the undercurrent of the thought that is driving us to mention this at this time? I have found so much peace in when things are not precisely as I would like them to just not say anything. And this is challenging for me because as a leader of the ministry, we are constantly getting clarity in the protocols of how we do new things all the time. So it's challenging because we're doing new things all the time and for which we have no protocol. So we're creating new protocols. And uh, it's, it's just super challenging at times to really um, be able to figure this out. But if we're aligned with spirit and we're listening to spirit we can do it if what like if we're sitting there at dinner to be able to enjoy the time eating a meal with a loved one that's different than we're just eating a meal right so if we're there to enjoy the time with a loved one then love would never look on guilt at all. Love wouldn't ever entertain that kind of a comment. So what I've learned with friends and family, I get to practice all the time, is just, okay, that's not how I would do it. Okay, that's, I would have looked that up first, or many times, oh, I never would have thought of it that way, right? And no complaints, I don't need to tell everybody how I would do everything. Why do I need to do that? What is that about? But you see, when I was younger, I really did think I had to tell everybody how to do everything. So for me, one of my challenges is in my work as the leader of the this nonprofit organization, this ministry, Power of Love Ministry, often, more often than not, I do have to tell everybody exactly what I think and so we can compare notes and, and come to what works best for everybody. But um, with friends and family, I get to practice a lot of not saying anything. 
It's wonderful. It's wonderful to be able to take that breath and be patient and kind. It is the nature of love to look upon only the truth, for there it sees itself, with which it would unite in holy union and completion. So when we think about saying, making a criticism or a complaint, that's for sure designed to bring guilt. And there's no good that can come from it ever, ever, ever. It is the, atta- it is the attraction of the ego. It really is. So it's just like if you were going to quit smoking and you decide, well, I'm just going to have, I'm just going to smoke now at this one particular instance. I'm just going to have these two cigarettes today. But then I, I'm not going to smoke later. I'm not going to smoke tomorrow. And then, oh, you know, I'm just going to have this one and this one. That's how it is with these kinds of comments to people. It gives us an opportunity to be so super vigilant and to choose love again and again and again, which opens our heart and opens our mind. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Hey, I'm going to go to a break in just a minute. And while I'm there, you can check out on my Facebook page. Uh, on today's um, blog there's Facebook live that I did with Lisa the conversation about healing it was great and we're putting it up at YouTube too so you can look for it there I'm Jennifer Hadley you're listening to of course Miracles on Unity Online Radio and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Ah, welcome back. So glad to be with you and taking that breath, talking about guilt just sorry I can hear somebody breathing I need to turn my headset back down all right so uh, sorry I got distracted by the noise <laughs> life lifey life so um, let's see I wanted to share something I'm trying to recollect what it was Yes, now I remember. Um, In case you uh, were interested in Masterful Living this year, you missed the enrollment. It will be offered again next year. I feel confident of that. And my Finding Freedom Boot Camp is a wonderful, wonderful alternative that has so much support in it. People really find it. It's a great reboot. Uh, One of the things I've been thinking about is maybe even doing a class on rebooting your year right now, right? Because we can even get into, so I know many people will be listening to this for years to come, but um, right now it's the middle of March. We're coming up on spring here in the United States. And sometimes even in the middle of March, we can feel like, oh, it's too late. I blew this year already. No, that's the beauty of A Course in Miracles. You could start every day of the year. And one of the ways that we reboot our year is through just practicing, noticing each and every moment. How does it make us feel? Is it fanning the fire of upset? Or is it moving us in the direction of more peace, more love, and more joy? So, These little attractions of guilt are things that are like little bits of gasoline on an explosive fire of unrest and upset that we do not need. So it says here, as love must look past fear, so must fear see love not. 
So when we're aligned with the ego mindset and we're identified with the ego, then we have a choice. We can recognize, oh, I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling uh, that habit of guilt coming up, but it's not what I'm going to choose. I'm going to have dominion over my mind. I'm cultivating spiritual maturity. And so this is the practice that we can strengthen. Just like uh, I love to work out, and there are times when it's, can you just do one more? One more whatever. One more minute, one more push-up, one more sit-up, one more. Can you just do one more? So can you keep your self-quiet for another minute? Can you just connect to spirit, call the angels, call God's name, so the angels surround you, like Jesus teaches us in A Course in Miracles, and just feeling, there it goes. I'm coming back into my heart. Phew, crisis averted. I did not say that thing. <laughs> so, we have these choices. Love is only attracted to love. Uh, sorry, I skipped a sentence. For love contains the end of guilt, as surely as fear depends upon it. Okay? So, if you'd like to experience more fear, go ahead. Say that thing, because it will bring you more fear. Yes, the little complaints, the little criticisms, the little dings, they all will make you feel more afraid. I proved this. I did the math. I did the science. I did the math of it. And it's amazing. Lisa and I were talking, Lisa Natoli and I were talking about this yesterday in the video we did that's at YouTube. Um, I don't remember what we called it, so I'm sorry I don't have that in front of me, but um, I'm sure you can find it. Uh, we were talking about this uh, and uh, uh, tangentially, and so love contains the end of guilt. Remember, guilt is this looming toxic waste that comes from feeling separate, believing in separation. We believe we're separate because we believe we're not good enough, because we believe that we kicked God out of our heart and our mind. But these things are not even possible. They can only be experienced within an illusion, a delusion. And even within the illusion, we can come back into our right mind. How amazingly awesome is that? And I use awesome in the way that it really is meant. Um, I love Eddie Izzard's thing on awesome, that people don't understand that the word awesome is, it really is like when it takes your breath away, you're standing there speechless. That's the proper use of awesome. Like So therefore, this hot dog cannot be awesome. This These socks are not awesome because we don't really feel that way about it. But this, the ability to come back into our right minds, this is awesome. <laughs> so here we go. Overlooking guilt completely. Love sees no fear. And we can decide to do this and Jesus will show us how. The higher Holy Spirit self will show us how. The angels will show us how. They will teach us in the way that we can learn it. A very specific and unique curriculum for us. So yes, we're working A Course in Miracles workbook lessons every day. And we are working the curriculum that life is providing for us so, so perfectly. Everything works together for our good and there are no exceptions except in the opinion of the ego. Being holy, meaning completely without attack, it could not be afraid. Love cannot be afraid because it has 
no impetus to attack. Fear is attracted to what love sees not, and each believes that what the other looks upon does not exist. So fear doesn't believe that love is real, and love knows that fear is not real. That's pretty clear. So when we're aligned with love, we can see that all that seems to be fearful is actually not a real threat. Not to us. Not to love. Because love is what we are. And each fear and love has messengers which it sends forth and which return to it with messages written in the language in which they're going forth was asked. So poetic and beautiful there. I'm not going to break that down. It's just beautiful language. Love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and cherish every scrap of evil and of sin that they can find losing none of them on pain of death and laying them respectfully respectfully, before their Lord and Master. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. The fierce attraction that guilt holds for fear is wholly, completely absent from love's gentle perception. What love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. Relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. So the quality of our relationships depends upon how we look at the world. It's not how the world is, how we look at the world. Circumstances, conditions do not determine our relationships. It's how we look at the circumstances and the conditions that determines our choices. Right? Course of Miracles 101, I have given everything all the meaning that it has for me. So, relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen, and this depends on which emotion was called on to send its messengers to look upon it and return with word of what they saw. Fear's messengers are trained through terror, and they tremble when their master calls on them to serve. For fear is merciless, even to its friends. Its messengers steal guiltily away in hungry search of guilt, for they are kept cold and starving and made very vicious by their master, who allows them to feast only upon what they return to him. No little shred of guilt escapes their hungry eyes, and in their savage search for sin, they pounce on every, every, any living thing they see and carry it screaming to their master to be devoured. And don't we see so many versions of this everywhere we look? So, rather than complain about it in the world, which is just adding it's taking coals to Newcastle, adding fear to fear. Instead, we look on it and say, this is how these folks are turning, choosing to learn through pain, through the contrast of pain versus happiness. I have chosen to learn through contrast in my past, but I do not choose to learn that way anymore. Now I choose to learn through love, through joy, through peace, wisdom, understanding, through direct knowing and insight. Lisa and I were talking about this yesterday. I'm remembering that right now. And I would rather learn through joy. So this is the prayer 
this is my declaration that I make on a frequent basis, and I invite folks to do that as well. Say, okay, teacher, teach me through joy. I can learn through pain or joy. Let me learn through joy. I've experimented so much with learning through pain. I think I've got it. Now I'd like to learn through joy, which is really remembering our true identity and the true identity of our brothers and sisters. It's so much more fun and it's easier. And then we also remember what we are learning because we're discovering what we remember, (laughs) the truth that sets us free. And so it's so much easier to remember the truth than to learn through pain and the contrast of pain and suffering versus love and wholeness. Mm, gosh, it's just it's it's so much more efficient. It it saves time as a course of miracles talk about. People often say, "Oh, if I had more time, I would do more spiritual practice." It's just not true. Do your spiritual practice every minute of every day. You don't have to set aside time. Yes, I have time for reading, spiritual books. I'm a Course in Miracles student. Of course, I have time for doing these things. Uh, But that's not where the real learning is. That's where I am communing with my teacher remembering my perfection, and picking up a tool, a skill that I can then work on throughout my day and apply again and again and again. Yes. So every little opportunity that we engage in that lays a guilt trip on ourselves or others, then what? Right? This is what I see in myself, this is what I see in others happens, that people engage in this guilting of themselves and others. It is the way of the world. Um, It's changing, but it is the way of the world. Um, And then they feel guilty, more guilty, because they were not loving Spiritual students always feel guilty when they're unloving. They feel ashamed. They feel like a fake, right? So I was trying to make you feel guilty, even unconsciously, even unconsciously. I was listening to a beautiful teaching. I have to find out. I have to write a blog about this. Uh, I was listening to um, PBS radio on... Sunday morning and there was some show on there and there was a woman there who had done uh, some research about how Inuits teach their children and um, because they had heard uh, somebody an Inuit mom teaching her child and became very curious. So they were in the park and she overheard this conversation where the mother was saying to the child, take this rock and hit me with it. It startled her. Like, what? What are you teaching your child there? But what she came to learn is that the the, the way the Inuits teach their children is to, the if the child displays anger and hostility, In that moment, they are comforting them, not making them wrong and bad, and not trying to teach them in that moment. They wait for a moment when the child is happy and relaxed, and then they act out a skit. Like saying, oh, do you remember when uh, you were mad at me? It was like this. I don't want to go to the store, and boom, you hit me. And I thought, oh, don't you like me? Don't you love me anymore? So the the mom acts out the different characters and her take on it, that she made the meaning that, oh, you were mean, you hit me, you yelled at me, you screamed because you don't like me, 
because you don't love me, because you don't respect me, because you know. And then the child learns, yeah, I do love you, so I don't want to do that. And so the the mother comes back as the child learns this lesson and says, um, do you want to hit me with this? No, I don't want to hit you with that. But you're upset. Why don't you want to hit me with it? Because I love you. I don't want to hit you. So the child comes to their own conclusion, you see. They're not being taught by being told. They're engaged in uh, a, a dialogue, really, through the the playfulness. I just love that. I'm glad I remembered that. Wanted to share that. So, so beautiful. I'll see if I can write a blog about that and put that put put the link to that PBS show. Maybe somebody can find it and send it to me, put it on my Facebook page or something. It's really a beautiful story. But the tendency for how I was raised, certainly, and how I would have raised my children not knowing if I had had them, is to make these things wrong and bad versus what the Inuits are teaching their children. Not wrong or bad, it's a choice. It's unloving. Are you choosing to be loving or unloving? Can you feel angry and upset without being unloving? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Right? So then nobody has to feel guilty or ashamed for having been unloving. We learn to have the spiritual maturity to be loving even when we're angry, upset, and annoyed. And I am not claiming to be perfect at this, but I aspire to be (laughs) very, very good at it. Yes, yes, and I'm getting better. So glad for that. Oh, my gosh. We can, we can really eliminate so much fear just by identifying all these little niggly ways that we inflict guilt on people. Hey, who ate the last whatever? Come on, people. Come on. Right? What is that kind of language designed to do? It's to make people feel guilty. Right, so then children don't want to admit it. Who did it? Who did it? Come on, who? T- Nobody wants to admit it. Instead, we can teach through a positive reinforcement, and say, you know, the person who eats the last, whatever, the last granola bar, gets positive reinforcement for putting it. On the shopping list. Positive reinforcement. Instead of that negative guilting, guilting, guilting. You see, that whole guilting, it really is how we keep this whole separation in place. And that's why forgiveness is the way out of separation thinking and the pain of guilt. It's our self-forgiveness. The Holy Spirit has given you love messengers to send out instead of those you trained through fear. They are as eager to return to you, you what they hold dear as are the others. So if we choose these little guilt things, it's going to return to us fear. See, people think the causes of fear are in the world. No, never not nada the causes of fear are in our mind they are in our decision that making someone else feel guilty or ashamed or bad or wrong or making ourselves feel that way would ever be a good idea we make those choices and they return to us fear every single time and It is so ingrained in us that this is how adults behave, that we train children to do this still. This is how we're operating in this world. But we don't have to. 
And we are the ones who are here to shift it. So the best way to shift it is through demonstrating it. This is the truth of it. This is the truth of it. And I'm so grateful that we can do it. We can recognize all the little ways that we make people feel guilty. Well, you should have thought about that before, right? Well, if someone already feels like they've screwed up and we say, well, you should have thought about that ahead of time. Why didn't you think about that ahead of time? Well, that's <laughs> that's not helpful now. I know that part now. Why are you saying that to me? If you, you, you're saying it to me to punish me, to make me feel bad and guilty, why? Maybe because that's what, the way you were raised. That's the way you were treated. But you don't have to do it anymore. Don't have to do it anymore. We can break free of these so fast. Our willingness is all that is required. And, you know, that's why my Finding Freedom class is a boot camp. So we can just get in there and do it, boot camp style. So I'm going to run my Finding Freedom boot camp. I think we'll be starting like April 11th, something like that. So uh, registration isn't open right this second. Well, I guess you could probably register right now, but we're not going to start till till then. Um, and sometimes it's good to register now. You can start a payment plan, and um, you've said, okay, I got that going for me, right? I got that to look forward to. And uh, we do a lot of uh, things to um, prepare everybody so we can all go together in the in the boot camp. It's really it's a lot of fun, actually. And just listening to spirit. So grateful. I'm so grateful. And if you're grateful, too, if you're grateful for this radio broadcast, I'm inviting you to be a supporting listener. So uh, you can go to jenniferhadley.com or livingacourseofmiracles.com and you can make a one-time donation, but you can also make a supporting donation. If you get our free text messages, if you don't, you can, by the way, text uh, miracles to 35227. Text miracles to 35227 to uh, sign up for those free text messages and if you'd like to get email uh we send emails every week when we post the transcript and we break down um the audio um in a way that is helpful to people you can sign up for those emails by sending the word radio to 35227 radio to 35227 so i'd like to thank all those who do donate your support means a lot to me. Thank you. Well, it's time for me to go. We are grateful and thankful that love is all there is. We are grateful and thankful that we're part of it. Share benefits with everyone. 